Hello and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Harlequins podcast. Two was in four quarters. My name is Michael. As always, I'm sat here with my cousin Will, but this week we are very, very lucky to be joined by Scotland International. Recently signed his new contract. Scott Steele, welcome to the pod. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks. How are you guys? Mate, buzzing to have you on. We were just saying before we start recording, obviously, you know, bank holiday Sunday, Easter Sunday, we'd love to be down at the studio watching, watching at the weekend, but sadly not. I'll, uh, I'll lead on to Will. He's got the first question. Yeah, so uh, we obviously really excited to have you re-signing and um, we were actually reading up on you and, and saw an article that you did in Rugby Pass. I think it's probably one of the most relatable stories um, for non-athletes that I've seen from a professional athlete in terms of unemployment and health, um, particularly during the first lockdown. I imagine we've got so many sort of Quinns fans and listeners who are listening to this that could probably relate quite a lot. I think it's something people tend to forget that actually professional rugby players and all athletes are are very much human. Um, So for those that don't know the story, Scott was with London Irish, I think probably this time last year or just before this time last year, um, where they decided not to renew your contract. And it was during lockdown. There was a lot of uncertainty with coronavirus. Um, And it sounded like you were a little bit of a crossroads in terms of whether you wanted to retire well, obviously you didn't want to retire, but it, you said it was something that you might be forced to consider. I think it's so relatable. So I was just wondering, take us back 12 months ago, what was going through your head and what kind of pulled you out of that that position that you were in? Um, yeah, as you said, so basically it was like a week before the proper national lockdown, um, just got um, told by by the head coach at Irish that there was, there was no contract there for me. Um, and that was obviously disappointing. I'd been there like six years played a lot of games for them and to hear that I was going right okay and then lockdown struck and I was thinking well this isn't looking good like teams don't even know when the games are going to start and never mind know how much money they're going to lose during it and how much money they'll have for signing new players or whether they're just going to manage with the squads that they've got so um, I was yeah like you said stuck in a bit of a crossroads didn't really know what was going on and just every day went by and I'm not hearing anything from my agent and he's saying he's not hearing anything from clubs and it was, yeah, it was just real, real stressful time. And I went back home to Dumfries and Southwest Scotland, just to my parents and went back there and just trained and stuff. But still it was, it was so tough just like waking up most, most mornings after not sleeping that well. Cause like your mind's just going at 100 miles an hour like what if some, something doesn't come up or what if something comes up but the money's gonna like not be good enough so I have to rely on my parents or I'm gonna have to move somewhere that I don't really want to go and play at a level that I don't really want to play at so it got to the stage where I was like well it doesn't really matter about all them things I just like you said I just need a job like I need to get something sorted because I can't just wait around here forever like 27 years old, living back at your mum and dad. It was a bit of a shock going like, I've been away from here since I was 17. And I was like, hopefully something does come up, but it might not. So that uncertainty was really, really stressful. And they were really good with, you know, not sort of badgering me saying, oh, have you heard any news? You heard any of this? And I just said, look, when I found out if there's anything that's come my way, I'll let you know. So they were really good at that. And they helped me, me train and stuff. But because I was so stressed all the time and, and worried about that and I just channeled it into my training so I would just like go running like four or five times a week like properly like end myself make sure like I managed to pick up a few weights from my old rugby club and I was like well if someone does sign me like they're, they're gonna get like a like a really fit like 
good to go nine on their hands for because like in the past like I was probably overweight as a nine, uh, probably a bit fat, uh, didn't take my SNC seriously, didn't take my diet seriously. Um, and I just thought it was a bit of one of them. Well, if I do get another shot, like don't mess around with it this time. Um, make sure that whoever signs you, they're going to get the best Scott Steele. Like I said before, I was doing an all right job for, for the teams that I was at. But if I look back at it now, I wasn't ticking all the boxes that you should as a professional to make sure that you're in the best shape to, to do your job, essentially. So um, that went on for a while. And then I was speaking to some clubs. Um, and it was the same story. Yeah, we need a nine and we're interested, but we, we don't know our budget or we don't know when we've got the go-ahead to sign guys because we don't know when the games are starting. So that was almost even harder to take. It's like, well, you are interested, but it still means nothing to me. Like every professional athlete will tell you, like interest doesn't really mean anything until you sign on that bit of paper that says that you've got a couple of years deal or whatever. So again, that was stressful. And then luckily it was just through... Um, the third choice, Niall Saunders at Quinn's deciding that rugby wasn't for him and he wanted to go and travel and and, and do stuff away from rugby. Um, that basically I got in touch from the, the guys at Quinn's and they said, look, uh, our third choice has basically decided that he, he, he doesn't want to do rugby anymore. So there's a space there. Um, so when I heard third choice, you're going like, well, it's not really where I was before. I was probably around first, second choice at London Irish. Um, so obviously I had to take a take a bit of a pay cut and stuff like that to come. But at that stage, after waiting around for months, it was it was right. I've got a good opportunity, a really good club. If I go and work hard, and I knew I was going to turn up in like shape, that I was good to go basically. Um, and because of the lockdown, like uh, all the games had to be played in the prem, they had to finish them pretty soon. So it was like Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, or whatever. So I thought, regardless of being their third choice, I might, I might play like the Wednesday game or I might get a game here or there. So, um, yeah, as soon as I signed that, well, I spoke to Paul Gustard at the time on a Zoom um, and I've never sweated so much in my life. Just <laughs> a proper like job interview, like a, I wouldn't say a grilling, but he was just ans asking these questions that I, you can't really prepare for. He's just coming at you at all these different angles. And obviously that went well that they went ahead and signed me. And yeah, the, the end of the season went well for me personally. Um, the team, team was that sort of inconsistent period where we'd play really well one game and then drop off the next. Um, but overall, like, I think I went well. And um, yeah, it was just literally just that chance. Like a lot of people say it, like a lot comes down to luck. But I think for me in the, the case that I actually went away and worked hard where in the past when I was a bit younger, I probably would have went, well, there's no contract anywhere sort of through the toys out, out the pram a bit and, you know, just didn't care about my diet and just, you know, drinking and stuff like that, um, which could have been easily done. And uh, especially when you're stressed like that, like it's an easy option to go, ah, oh, well, things aren't going to work out here. I might as well just enjoy this time while, while I can. So, um, yeah, big thanks to my parents and my brothers and stuff back home that, that helped me out when I needed it there. Um, but yeah, it couldn't have really worked out any better. I was, I was saying to a few guys, like, obviously, the Six Nations just finished and I got a few texts saying like, oh, um, great Six Nations. You were unlucky to not get on against France and stuff like that. And I just went, look, if you'd came to me at the start of last March and said that I'd be playing for Harlequins and involved in every Six Nations game for Scotland, I would have laughed it off and told you no chance. Like, So um, when I look back on it for, for, for the 12 months it's been, it's just been a crazy 12 months and 
probably the, the best 12 months, obviously, of, of my rugby career. So even though it was really, really tough that period, um, certainly sort of either like it was going to make me or break me sort of thing. And, and I'm lucky it, it sort of worked out for me in the end. It's amazing to think like how quickly things can turn around and just like, like you say, a little bit of luck and, you know, myself and Willie were not professional athletes nowhere near, but that little bit of luck sometimes can be such a, a big thing for someone. The question I had was that obviously at the time, you know, you hear third choice nine and you look at guys ahead of you, or, you know, in the pecking order or who the club already had with Danny Kerr and Martin Dandaho and, you know, 12 months later, you just had a full championships with Scotland and, you know, full scene international. Does your role now change like within the club and, you know, how much does you do take on like a leadership role? Now, boys are looking to you as, as a full senior international. He's been away for six weeks, this week to Scotland. Obviously, we're a couple of days out from a European Cup game where, you know, you want to start names on the team sheet. How does your role sort of change since you've been at the club? Uh, I think you're right. I think it, it does change. Um, I think, though, when, when I came in for them, them games at the end of last year, as a new player, you just want to sort of come in, get your head down, work hard. You need to earn the boys' respect. Um, so you don't want to come in telling guys what to do too early on because that can go either way. You know, this guy's coming in from what guys would perceive as a lesser club of London Irish and he's telling us what to do, like what's going on there sort of thing. Um, so at the end of last year, I was just keeping my head down doing that. But um, coming back in from the Six Nations now, like usually I would have been a bit more of a sort of voice in the changing room in the past and I think that's something now that I'm, I'm getting a bit more comfortable with doing um, and like you said like it's really good for me to learn off the guys like Martin and, and Danny so two guys in, in my position are really experienced and are really good leaders as well so um, I think that's responsibility now for me to sort of take on and, and contribute where I can and help out help out the young lads and, and just sort of um, be more of a voice that's something that, that I want to do and I'm, I'm trying to do it and obviously like you said this weekend we're going out with a team that's got a lot of guys that are are an experience and not not played that much so I'll be making sure that I do everything I can to make sure that they're they're good to the game and, and if they need advice during the game that, that I'll be able to be there for them so it's definitely something that I want to improve on and want to uh, contribute more to ridiculous 12 months isn't it that's a crazy crazy 12 months massive congratulations as fans we're we're immensely proud anytime we have any of our players represent their country but the way that scotland performed this six nations as well it was just really great to see and obviously bagged your first try um so that was awesome what a, what a journey my next question again is, is venturing away from rugby slightly because i think it's always interesting to to ask any guests we get on this question because it, it's it's a good insight into what their interests are and kind of what makes them tick have you thought about any side projects along your playing days, any educational courses, um, or perhaps any sort of business opportunities um, alongside your playing days or perhaps beyond there as well? Um, there's been a few things. I've looked into, started a business and leadership degree a few years ago, um, got about eight months into it, and it was one that like the RPA sort of helped um, put on for the players. So <clears throat> it's like, a bit cheaper to do than your usual degree and they're they're good like they're lenient with like um obviously deadlines and stuff if you've got a lot of games coming up or you've had a bad injury they're, they're good to go to uh, with them sort of problems and I, I ended up after eight months realizing I'm just doing this because it's been put in front of me like I've no real intention of like sort of going down that um yeah that avenue after rugby so um if anything it was obviously you'd say it's a waste of time but at the same time I know that I don't want to sort of go down that route um, I've done my level two coaching and stuff like that. Um, so I think that that's something that I'd be interested in. Um, obviously with COVID and stuff, it's 
like now stuff is start, uh, starting to come back. So that's something that I'll look to maybe go and coach at a lower level, uh, get involved with the academy stuff at Quinn's. Um, cause I really enjoy, I really enjoy coaching and especially, um, sort of like one-on-one scrum half coaching, something that I really enjoy. Um, so I looked into that. I've also met up with quite a lot of referees and my dad was a referee in the past and I've had one of the guys I was in the Leicester Academy with, uh, Christoph Ridley. He's now a premiership referee. Carl um, Dixon as well. Dixon as well. Speak to him. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys that I know that have done that. And like I said before, my dad did that as well at a sort of lower level up in Scotland. And um, I'm always watching games going the ref should be doing this, he should be doing that. <laughs> Such a scrum half thing to say. <laughs> well, I think it's obviously a lot harder than it looks and no matter what decision you make, you're always going to get criticised. So it's sort of a lose-lose, but I have looked into that as well. Um, but recently I've I've also just uh, completed my level three PT course. Um, nice. Yeah, a few of the guys at London Irish did it together. Um, and one of the guys, Tommy Bell, uh, he plays out in France now, but he was basically living in, in London, had a mortgage to pay, and he basically ended up doing a lot of PT stuff through uh, through the sort of like lockdown and stuff when he didn't have a contract to, to make ends meet. So um, I think it's obviously a growing industry, and especially in London and stuff like that. Um, so much green space and stuff like that to do it. I think it's something good to have under your belt. So um, that's it. But in terms of like proper long-term, in terms of like maybe studying again, I'd probably look at doing some sort of, psychology maybe look into that um obviously like i said that this last 12 months has really been a test for me in that sort of sense so um i think a lot of guys coming up through the age groups and stuff when you're at school and then you play like academy and you come into first team i think it's a real shock um for guys like that and mentally it's tough because they've went from being told that they're they're like the star player of their team or they're the man to come in you're back at the bottom of the pecking order you can train unbelievably well but the guys that have got sort of more experience they're going to play regardless and that's yeah. tough for guys to take and and like I said you could have, like have a stormer and training all the time but unless you do it in that little game time you get if that's an A-league or maybe off the bench in a first team game and it doesn't quite go right then you're probably training for another six months waiting for that opportunity so um, sort of looking down sort of like sports psychology and sort of looking into that as something I've got an interest in and hopefully I'll be able to sort of uh, speak to the RPA and try and try and get involved and do that. I know with the PT stuff, Will rates his top half, so you might get a client in him at Clapham Common <laughs> and start start doing the CrossFit. Will massively rates his guns. So he'll You've be done me dirty there. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next question: I know we sort of briefly touched on it with with Marcus and, and Danny in the nine group. Guys like obviously Nick Evans is attack coach, and you know Marcus Smith and ten. It must be one of the more exciting halfback groups that you've worked under. What's it like? You know, obviously Nick Evans is a legend of the club and you've got Danny Kev's another legend of the club, working alongside those guys and learning from them. Have they, how helpful have they been obviously in, you know, involved in transitioning you into national rugby? What was that like? The, yeah, they've been a massive part of, of my development over the last 12 months. Um, all of them, especially Danny Kev for me, like, He's, he's really been like, as soon as I turned up, he was like really, really open, really nice to me. Like anything that I went to him and asked about, he, he was he was great at under, um, understanding what I was asking and, and giving me good feedback. Um, and then Marcus is just one of these talents that you don't really come across very often. He's just like unbelievable work ethic. Um, he's there, first guy at training, like for the size of him, you wouldn't expect him to be in the, in the gym that much, but he's like first in, last out, really pushes himself. 
Um, and I think that shows with how many minutes he's able to get through and play. Um, I think it's unheard of. Like he's only what 21, 22, and he's he's already got 100 games, and a lot of them yeah, will yeah. be 80 minute shifts. Like yeah. it's just mad. So, um, them two guys, and obviously, like you said, Nick Evans, especially recently. Um, before I went away for the Six Nations, he he was speaking to me and coming up and telling me what work-ons I can work on and how I can do that. And it was more to do with my attacking game and support lines and stuff. And I've, I've been seeing the benefits off the back of it. So, um, yeah, it's just been ideal for me to have all these different guys to sort of bounce ideas off or ask them, right, I didn't get that right there. Why was that? Or vice versa. And I think we're all good at sort of asking each other. Um, so, like, there's no there's no, like hierarchy or whatever if Danny cares at half time he's playing and he'll come up to me and said you seeing anything like where's the space and all that kind of stuff and it's obviously great because it's only going to benefit the team if everyone's playing well and pushing each other so um there's loads of guys around the club that are like that there's a lot of older guys that are, are really helpful for for not just younger lads but just fellow teammates in general everyone's pushing to get better I think that's huge, isn't it? I mean, as part of anybody's growth, it's not just about the younger players approaching the senior players for for knowledge sharing and advice. I think being asked by a senior player for your opinion is, I think that's huge. I think that does that does wonders for confidence, but then also in terms of the, the culture that you're creating in terms of knowledge sharing and growing as a group, I think that's massive. Completely agree. Like, like you said, like if someone comes up to me and asks me what I think about something, remember in the first couple of weeks we were training, Mike Brown came up to me and said, what would you do in that situation? Like, would you do that? Would you do this? Um, and like you said, that's like, right, well, he values what I'm about to say here. Like, I'm a new guy at the club, but he values what I'm about to say. And then also, um, sort of, it just makes everyone else feel more comfortable. Like, I've been in teams and team meetings where you've, you've got a point and you're not comfortable saying it because a guy that's a bit more senior than you might be like, said something a bit different. And it's not saying, standing up and going, you're wrong, I'm right. It's just saying, well, I think if we do this, this might work. And then everyone's contributing to a meeting rather than getting the same bloke stand up every time, saying it saying it from their point of view, which might be wrong, might be right. But if guys on, even guys that go like and stand up and say, oh, maybe we could do this. And they'll be like, that's a good idea, but maybe this week we'll go with that. Like it shows that they're actually engaged in the meeting and that they're willing to contribute. And if everyone's doing that, then we're going to come up with the right answers for for what's the like the right thing to do at the weekend. Yeah, it's class. I love I love hearing about like the intricacies of the group and how different people talk. And I know like when, again, keeps sort of saying it, when we spoke to Lewis, the first thing he said was Brownie had an injury and was like, right, I want to talk to you, I want to help you. So it's so nice to hear that guys that are you know have been to the top of international rugby and are sort of the, the pillar heads of our club are, are helping guys like yourself transition onto the bigger stage and. It's, it's so cool to hear. And this is a slightly off-topic question. Obviously, you spoke about going back to your parents in Dumfries. My mum actually lives up in Ullapool, um, right oh, on the sort of the North Coast. You ever, like, obviously, don't know how much sort of travelling around the Scotland boys do sort of around camp. You ever sort of gone up there for a little cheeky holiday, Scottish Highland stuff? I've not, no. But um, I've played Orkney up there. So Orkney Island's, like, right up north. Went up there a few times. Been up to, like, Tain, which is, like, up past Inverness and stuff like that. But... To be fair, I've been pretty bad for that. I left when I was like 17, so yeah, um, it would be ideal now, obviously, with like not being able to go abroad and stuff like that when you're allowed to travel, like going up there and doing a proper road trip. Um, I was actually talking about that training all the day, like getting a camper van and just going up to the north of Scotland, seeing what it's got to offer. Um, I'll, I'll drop I'll a message, but mum, I've got a few of the boys coming down and get my room. <laughs> Get the dinner on, they're coming round. Yeah. yeah no, she does a good dinner, to be fair to her. Does a good dinner. Good at the cakes as well. I'll um I'll back her on that. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. 
right lads i've got i reckon we've got a few questions left in us scott what we're going to do now is we're going to we're going to do some quick fire questions so we've sort of got three or four each um they're short questions short answers might put you on a spot with one or two of them but uh we'll see how we get on shall we yeah mike do you want to kick off so this is the one we ask everyone and obviously it might be fairly relevant you know you're new into the scotland squads and a few boys in there and they're making their debut what's uh what's the karaoke song uh, my one's Valerie. Yeah, nice. Bonds, yeah. Just because everyone can sing along as well and then it's not as awkward. Yeah, yeah nice. true. Next question is, and can you dip? No, I'm not going to ask you to dip. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question, best cards player on the bus? Um, I've not played that much cards with the boys, to be fair, but we're playing Monopoly Deal recently. Nice, um, nice. And we played the other day and Aaron Morris won on his first time playing it, so that's pretty impressive, so... Are you into yeah. gaming set up a lot of the boys are cod players? Are you into that? No, not really. I, I do play the odd time, but I'm nowhere near as much as some of the guys in the team. Um, yeah, just because I'm I'm rubbish at it, really. Yeah, like, my housemates upstairs playing now, and I lost I watched him for about five minutes this morning. I lost interest, couldn't bother with <laughs> The sun's out, lads. Come on, what are we doing? Yeah, I know. I said something like, yeah, I know. Have you got any nicknames around the around the club at Quinns? Steely, um, Stelco is another one. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah. Okay. Any, any story behind that or just... No. Well, no. I was when I was younger, I used to get called Stelco. Just steely Stelks, turned into Stelco. And then yeah, nice. uh, went on a lad's holiday to Magaluf and then I'm getting hashtag Stelco. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I love that. <laughs> I, got, I got that done and it was like all my mates from back home called me Stelco and then I moved to Leicester and everyone called me Steely. I was like, now I've got a tattoo for my uncle. <laughs> calls me. I was like... So, Oh, class. Love that. Next question is going to be a tricky one. So I'm ready for you to dodge it. Murrayfield or the Stoop? Um, that is tricky. Are we saying with or without fans, Will? Oh, I was, I don't was make me cheese. That, I was going to use that in my question. I've played at the Stoop when it's been packed before when I was at London Irish. And it's a great atmosphere and I, I really enjoyed playing there. Um, but I've, I've not yet to play at Murrayfield when it's been full and before the Six Nations, well, even during the Six Nations, I've only won once at Murrayfield, so, and I've probably won twice at the Stoop, so, and it was with my with the fans, so. The Stoop's been a good hunting ground for me, so Stoop. We'll make it free this weekend, hopefully, the Stoop against Ulster. Yeah, yeah you um, started that answer out well. Yeah, <laughs> this is another one that, so, obviously, you know, Lions Tour coming up in the summer, and obviously, you know, been away with the Scotland boys, if you had to pick one of the Scotland lads that's absolutely 100% nailed on, going to start the first test, who would you pick? Um, I've got to say Hamish Watson. Yeah. Um, I've just seen there he got voted player of the tournament or whatever. And I think he's just unbelievable. He's an unbelievable ball carrier. He's great over the ball. His work ethic's unreal. Um, and also he's just he's a good bloke as well, so that always helps. Um, I think there is a few there that could compete, you know, the likes of... Finn Russell, obviously, yeah. Stuart Hogg, and yeah. Duane van der Merwe, the big big lad on the wing. Yeah, he's a unit, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He's a massive bit of kit. When he said that he was moving to Worcester, I was like, no, no. We're going to have to try and tackle you. But I think that's the best thing about it. That's why Scotland, I think, have done so well this year. Just They've got so many players that are right up there in the past. You know, maybe one or two, and it would be like, yeah. oh, they might, they're not even dead certs. They're like, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas I think they'll be disappointed if they don't get at least maybe three or four or five, whatever. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed that they they sort of put their hands up for selection and manage to, to get on the tour. 
Mate, we're hoping to get two quince come offs out there. You and DC both. Get <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just under the radar, just sneaking in. Yeah, that's it. I think you, be a have, few you got, have you got Warren's number? Just drop him a text. Like Warren, mate, I'm informed. Playing well. Watch me. Like, watch me at the weekend against Ulster. You're like, who's this? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there'll be a few Scots there, though. To be fair, Hamish Watson, I think nailed on for sure. He's he's a proper dog, isn't he? he just gets around the park doing the dirty work. He's he's a quality player. Um, last question we've got connected to the Six Nations. Um, where do you see your future, scrum half or flanker? Well, to be fair, for me, it was a dream to get on the flank and, and <laughs> um, me and Will Evans and all the other lads in the back row always have a bit of a joke and stuff because I do like getting my head over the ball and trying to get jackals and stuff. So nice. um, when I went on the pitch, they're like, you're going on at back row. I was like, what? No, like, yeah. you're going on at back row. I was like, right, okay. And then the reality, it didn't live up to what I expected it to be. Then for playing against Ireland, their pack's massive and I was just sitting there and I think I prefer scrum half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, don't, don't carry the ball because if I carry, I'll get turned over and everyone will be looking at me. So I was just trying to, you know, hit every rock I could. And by hit rock, I mean just touch it and make sure. <laughs> else... Do you not fancy getting your head over the ball with CD well, Stander running at you? They, uh, yeah, they, 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 they didn't have much of the ball when I was on. So I was looking for the jackal, but we had all the <laughs> ball. So we had to just pick and go and hit rocks. That would have um, been so good. Uh, but no, um, I do enjoy the back row, but definitely, especially <laughs> at that level, Scrum Half is a much safer place to be. Had you ever trained there at all? Or was it just totally alien? You just had to sort of learn like in the moment on like the, one of the biggest stages you've probably ever played on? We, we talked a few years ago, didn't we, with Johnny May putting his head up Mako's ass, And I was like, yeah, that's not yeah. how you do it. <laughs> the one thing that I was like, right, make sure you get this sort of right. It doesn't need to be textbook, just sort of right. Um, never trained there. I've... I've had games in the past when they've had yellow cards and stuff and I've been on the flank. Um, there was a game against Wasps for Quinns at the end of uh, last season when uh, I think Will Evans went off with a HIA and he came back on, luckily. Um, but Gustard said to me, I was like, oh, if, he, if his head wasn't good, you were going to go to flank and Deese was going to come on at night. <laughs> I was like, damn, like, I don't know <laughs> Because it's just one of them where like, no one's expecting anything from you. So if you do something good, it's always a bonus. But if you don't, yeah. like, well, I'm out of position. Like, what do you expect? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no pressure. Um, but no, I, I do enjoy it. But maybe not maybe not right at the top level. Quality. And then final question before we wrap up. What's your favourite memory so far, Quinns? Um, favourite memory? I would say coming back for, when I went away in the autumn and then came back and we played... Um, Northampton Saints away and we put like 49 or something like that points yeah. on them we absolutely smashed it and everyone played well and I came off the bench managed to score yeah um from good work from uh James Chisholm and Tom Lodi to set me up in the corner and that that was great because I was like being away in like the environment up at Scotland because you're in a hotel and stuff it's just pretty full on and then coming back down and seeing all the lads again and then straight in the mix and then playing in a real good win. I was like, nice, so good to be back, like loving it. Um, and the style of rugby we played that day as well, we like really tore them apart um, and everyone played well. So that, that was a real good feeling after that on the bus on the way back, just being like, yeah, it's great to be back and contribute and, and have such a good win on the road at the stage. Class. Awesome, mate. Honestly, thanks so much for coming on. We can't wait to watch uh, watch the stoop in an empty stadium, rocking in a, on a Sunday night, a big European Cup game. Wish we could be there. But, mate, honestly, cheers for coming on. All the best the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully we'll get in there and watch you soon. 
No, cheers, lads. Appreciate it. Um, good chat. And yeah, hopefully get, get these guys back in as soon as possible.